Welcome to this Legal Talk Network podcast as Lex Mundi presents In-House Legal, the show about everything in-house. Hot topics, legal trends, everything important to corporate counsel. Welcome to In-House Legal on the Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Tim Corcoran, Senior Consultant with Altman Weil. At Altman Weil, we provide management consulting services exclusively to legal organizations. As an expert in law firms and corporate counsel relationships, I'm very pleased to partner with Lex Mundi and host In-House Legal on the Legal Talk Network. Each month, In-House Legal will focus on you and what's important to you as in-house counsel. Today, we are talking about keeping your house clean, compliance and internal investigations. Joining us today is Aaron Lewis with Baker & Daniels in Indianapolis, Indiana. Aaron is a partner in the firm's health and life sciences practice, focusing on compliance and investigation matters. She is also a former Department of Justice assistant U.S. attorney and has great insights on today's topic from both sides of the table. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you for having me. We are also fortunate to have Rich Corman with us today. Rich is General Counsel and Organizational Integrity Officer for St. Joseph's Regional Medical Center in South Bend, Indiana. Rich oversees all legal, compliance, and research issues for St. Joe's Regional Medical Center, including its Organizational Integrity Program. Is in-house counsel, Rich. We are interested in hearing your first-hand views, so thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So let's set the stage for today's discussions. We've all heard of some of the high-profile government investigations of leading corporations, but there are quite a few more that don't make the headlines. And these investigations stem from alleged individual or corporate misconduct. Compliance in different industries is gaining traction as corporations invest in programs to not just remedy past misconduct, but to prevent against future misconduct. For example, the healthcare industry, the field where both of you, the Today's Experts, practice, make use of corporate integrity agreements, which define proper behavior after an investigation. So Aaron and Rich, it sure seems like there's increased attention to compliance lately in the business community with increased government enforcement and public scrutiny. What's driving this? Why don't we start with you, Aaron? Well, Tim, I think what's driving it is what you what you stated last, public scrutiny. I think there is an increased obligation that the public is placing on governments, especially in the life sciences area, the area in which I practice, where the public, rightly so, demands um, transparency. And so I think the government picks up on that. And at least in the Department of Justice, where I, I used to be a federal prosecutor, you know, it is trying to protect the public fisc. And so in doing so, the public um, ha- has a right to know what its tax dollars are being spent on and what they shouldn't be being spent on. And I think they're holding businesses, business owners, board members to a higher standard, um, probably a standard they should have been held to in, in, in making sure that there is transparency in business operations, business dealings, and how companies are run and, and how our tax dollars are spent. Those are great points, Aaron. My organization, St. Joseph Regional Medical Center, has had firsthand experience with the scrutiny that's come from the increased government enforcement. Um, In the early um, 2000s, our organization was actually operating under a corporate integrity agreement from the Department of Health and Human Services. That CIA lasted until 2003, but during that time period from 1998 to 2003 up until today, we have developed numerous um, training and education compliance components that are in effect at St. Joe. Um, we have annual uh, compliance training 
for all of our associates, either through computer modules that run the gamut from compliance education to um, HIPAA education to other education components. We have face-to-face discussions and training amongst um, our board members and amongst our medical staff members. Um, A key component of making sure that your organization is transparent and um, making sure that the um, increased government enforcement is something taken seriously is buy-in by your executive management team and senior leadership. At St. Joe, we have this um, at all levels of our organization uh, because of the resources dedicated to compliance and also because of the time that is spent discussing compliance at um, executive management team meetings, at board meetings, and at other meetings that compliance does come up. And as a last component of a successful compliance program um, through this increased government enforcement and scrutiny is making sure that uh, compliance really remains in front of everyone throughout your organization. And you can do that in a myriad of ways. Um, We have in-house newsletters and publications that are sent throughout our organization. I prepare compliance articles. Um, Some of my uh, billers and coders compare, um, you know, how they do their job with others in the field, making sure that um, the coders and um, billers throughout our organization are up to date on what is required of each of them. So it is important to keep compliance vibrant and active each and every day that you operate in the healthcare field. Rich, I think that's a good point and that you mentioned about kind of a corporate culture of compliance from the top down. And it sounds like your organization has some good mechanisms in place to make sure everyone, not just those who work for the compliance officer or within the compliance office, are well-versed on the, the various rules and regulations that your organization has to live by. I think the government especially looks to see, you know, are the board of directors buying into this and are they enforcing um, a culture of compliance in this organization? And I think the government really has been focusing on on top-down, start at the top, from the top-level person all the way to the lowest-level person. Everyone in the company needs to know, understand, and really follow the spirit of whatever code of conduct or compliance program your organization might have. You know, that is true. And and one component that um, we have been working hard on in the last couple of years as well is not only those who um, work for or perform healthcare services within St. Joe, but it's also all of the companies that we contract with. As I'm sure most of your clients do as well, Aaron, we contract with hundreds of companies which um, really help us in serving the population of patients that we have coming through our doors on a daily basis, from uh, medical devices to pharmaceuticals to um, food service, you know, the whole myriad of individuals and companies that we rely upon to really deliver high-quality healthcare services must also buy into the corporate culture here at St. Joe, and that's really become focus of the contracts that we have with each of these organizations. I, I agree, and I think you'll see that increased, or at least I've seen the increased transparency on perhaps what are your, you know, your vendors coming in where you go to a pharmaceutical website, you go to a medical device manufacturer's website, and there are clear, um, you know, they, they are posting perhaps I think some in advance of what I think will be the Physician Payment Sunshine Act, but they are posting the payments that are made, the transactions that, that they enter into, just so there is a, a sense among the public of, you know what, our, 
our, our books are open um, to, to some certain extent, and you can see with whom we are dealing, and at least the government then can hopefully see that you're, you're turning square corners when, when, when you're dealing with money that, that is the taxpayer money for Medicare, Medicaid, and other you know, federal programs. These are excellent insights. Rich, I know that this culture of compliance that you maintain in your organization doesn't just apply to the employees, but talk to us about the pre-employee compliance work that you have in place. That's absolutely uh, correct, Tim. Prior to anyone coming to work for St. Joseph Regional Medical Center, we uh, send to them two documents. Uh, one is a standards of behavior and one is um, guiding behaviors. Um, and each one of those documents really describes the culture that we have built here um, to really support our compliance program. Um, there are certain responsibilities with regard to how um, all of our associates um, behave during their interactions with all of the individuals um, that we interact with on a daily basis. Um, obviously, we interact with government officials, with um, first and foremost, all of our patients, to vendors, to medical staff members, and so forth. And each one of our um, associates must sign um, a statement of compliance with these guiding behaviors prior to um, those individuals coming to work for us. And that's helped in really keeping and maintaining our culture of um, um, compliance here at St. Joe. Excellent. Tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we will continue this discussion on internal investigations. Where do you turn when you face legal issues halfway around the world? Lex Mundi, the world's leading association of independent law firms. Lex Mundi's worldwide network of 160 premier law firms in more than 100 countries provides the local market knowledge and on-the-ground experience you can trust as your business and legal needs transcend borders. Regionally, nationally, and around the world, Lex Mundi offers unlimited solutions to help you meet the challenges of doing business globally. To locate a Lex Mundi member firm, visit www.lexmundi.com. That's L-E-X. M-U-N-D-I dot com. In-house legal from Lex Mundi takes you inside the corporate legal department. Get the inside story on the latest issues, legal trends, and more. Welcome back to In-House Legal, presented by Lex Mundi. I'm your host, Tim Corcoran. Today's conversation is especially relevant because we are discussing internal investigations and compliance systems. So, Aaron, as a one-time prosecutor and now defense counsel, what advice would you give a client facing an internal investigation? Um, well, I think a couple of different things that I, I try to advise my clients who, who are going through um, the difficulties of an internal investigation and perhaps um, the, the, the looming threat of a government investigation or some type of government prosecution is step back and look to see what guidance the either the federal government or the state government has already offered on whatever issue is facing your client. Um, sometimes clients are very surprised uh, to see the amount of guidance documents, Medicare bulletins, for example, that the government publishes and the government expects its providers to be well-versed in, to have received the bulletin, to have read the bulletin. Um, that, that knowledge is really, that the government believes, is imparted upon its providers when it issues such guidance. And so I think a good place that I advise clients to start and I help them walk through it is, hey, let's step back and see what guidance the government has already given 
organizations like this practicing in your space, dealing with this issue so we can kind of sort through things. I think that helps the clients recognize what they might think is a red flag in an internal investigation might really just be a, a kind of a non-starter issue based on what the government you know, previous guidance has been. Um, I also advise clients and help them, okay, you know, it's, it's probably safe to say that another company has dealt with this already. And so wh- what happened to that company if it's publicly known? Can we see how that company dealt with the issue? Can we see what the government, if it does become um, a subject of a government investigation or, or government prosecution, what, what did the government do in, in that situation? And so a lot of clients like to know, okay, worst case scenario, this is what could happen. It happened to this other company, a little bit of different set of facts, but this might be what we've got at the end of the road. Um, and these are some things, you know, kind of a preview of a coming attractions that we can work with the client and say, this, it's, you know, you never know what the government's going to do, but this is what they've done in these three other cases that were quite similar to the one we have here. Um, you can look at samples of integrity agreements, corporate integrity agreements, deferred prosecution agreements. The government enters into all sorts of um, agreements with defendants in, in cases like this that are, you know, public record. And so I can sit down with some of those agreements that the government has already entered into and work with the clients and say, okay, if, if this is where we end up at the end of the day, let's, let's kind of drill down and see what the government has expected of other companies who, who are dealing with similar problems. And I think that really helps clients, and they've told me it helps them, wow, that really helps me focus and make sure that when I'm conducting my internal investigation, even if they're keeping it in-house, that they kind of know what pitfalls are out there and, and they can go in with eyes as wide open as they can. Well, let's point out that the repository of corporate integrity agreements can be found at the Office of Inspector General website, which is at oig.hhs.gov. Yes, and that is actually, it's a wonderful website and um, the search the search engine that they use is, is I think, one of the best in terms of you could... Um, click on, you want to link to an advisory opinion, which again would kind of be what, what I talked about earlier. Hey, look what kind of um, guidance the government has already issued. You could say, I want to search advisory opinions every time the government mentions, and, and you almost run a, a Boolean search, and it will pick up all the advisory opinions where code of conduct is is mentioned by the government. And so then you can see for as far back as they started posting them, which which is I think at least 15 years they've they've been uh, they've got this repository online and the same for corporate integrity agreements. You can search by year and you can search by company and it's all alphabetical. You can pull it up, it's full text searchable, you can print it out, you can share it with your clients. Um so I think the the website really has a lot of information on there and it's a it's a great place for 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 people to start if they want to see some guidance of of what are some samples of integrity agreements or deferred prosecution agreements that are available. Well, it sure sounds like there's such a good amount of information out there that an in-house counsel or compliance officer facing these issues for the first time should have every expectation that they can quickly get up to speed on other similar actions and what the remedies were so that he or she is in a good position to uh, counsel the organization on the way forward. Yes, that is correct, Tim. Um, There is a plethora of information out there for really any 
um, general counsel, compliance officer, in-house attorney that you can utilize in making sure your employer, your client is up to date and um, meeting all the compliance requirements of the federal and state governments. One thing that we do at St. Joe, which I'm sure, Aaron, some of your clients do as well, is on an annual basis, take the information that you glean from all these sources and really compare what is expected of the federal government with what your compliance program is to make sure that it is meeting all of the expectations of the governmental authorities, um, but also meeting the expectations of your own um, company because none of us want to be, um, you know, have anything out there that would cause us to come under scrutiny or whatnot. We want to deliver high quality health care to our patients, and that's what we want to focus on. I think that's a good point, Rich. And, you know, the um, the OIG for pharmaceutical manufacturers and, um, you know, they have a, a sample compliance plan that the OIG is the Office of Inspector General, Department of Health and Human Services, you know, puts it out there. We think this is a good compliance plan. We think if you have a good compliance plan, it should have the following elements. And um, the, I know the pharma code has kind of adopted that same thing. And for medical device manufacturers, I know some state codes, California has kind of been leading the way where there are, if you um, are doing business in the state of California and you're a medical device manufacturer, and, and I think that definition, unfortunately for some companies, is is rather broad, that, you know, it, they have specific requirements that the state of California would like to see and expects to see in your code of conduct and your compliance plan. So I think a lot of companies are are wise to to start looking um, like Rich talked about, of what, what other guidance and even examples or templates are out there. Because, you know, um, you have a better shot at keeping on the right side of the government if, you, if your plan mirrors what they think is a good sample compliance plan. Well, that makes perfect sense. Of course, if the government is suggesting ex- uh, changes and, and increased enforcement and uh, new particulars that companies need to be mindful of, it's helpful to be on, on top of that. Rich, I would imagine even now, after the conclusion of the corporate integrity agreement under which you operated, that you still maintain and observe uh, the best practices in the field so that you remain compliant. Is that so? Oh, absolutely, Tim. Absolutely, yes. We work with um, our uh, national uh, parent company, Trinity Health, to make sure that all of our policies and procedures are up to date, along with all entities throughout um, Trinity Health. And we do that really through a number of ways. As was mentioned, we go to federal websites, um, federal government websites, to make sure that what we are doing is up to date with what the expectations are. We work with um, our own internal organizations. Um, we're all members of uh, those organizations to make sure that best practices are followed. And one important component that Aaron had mentioned before is the states as well are becoming much more interested in compliance and um, scrutiny of healthcare providers because as the states see their um, budgetary concerns um, really rise in importance, they're looking at um, everyone who they're providing funds to to take care of the populations the state are, are responsible for. And so we make sure that we're up to date on the state requirements as well. So not only the federal government and the state government, those requirements are very important to us, along with private payers as well. 
Um, private payers are becoming much more interested in making sure that the funds provided to healthcare providers are used appropriately, and um, we receive um, bulletins and guidance from those private payers as well. So there's many um, uh, information points out there for all of us to be familiar with, and it, it really is quite a challenge to remain up to date on those, but use what is out there to your benefit because it'll only help you in the long run. And, of course, consult your outside counsel where appropriate. Well, I would like to thank Aaron Lewis with Baker and & Daniels and Rich Corman with St. Joe's Regional Medical Center for joining us today. We've hardly had time to scratch the surface of this multifaceted issue, so I hope you'll allow us to continue the conversation with you, our listeners, through other media. The Lex Mundi website is open to all of our listeners with literally hundreds of resources for in-house counsel. You can find Lex Mundi online at lexmundi.com or contact me, Tim Corcoran, at altmanweil.com slash Corcoran. Thanks for listening today to In-House Legal from Lex Mundi on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Tim Corcoran from Altman Weil, and I look forward to speaking with you again. Thanks for listening to In-House Legal from Lex Mundi. Join us again next time for more hot topics for the in-house lawyer on Legal Talk Network. <laughs>